don't know about you, but I'm incredibly grateful that we worship a God that gave us his everything. Amen? Amen. Hey, this last week, I think it was on Tuesday, my oldest daughter, Lily, who's 13, decided to get up really early with me. And we were going to go on a hike. We're preparing for the incline. And this guy wasn't built for cardio. So I've got to prepare for that. And so uh, we went up uh, Stanley Canyon on the Air Force Academy base. And we got there very early in the morning. We were on, we were on the trail by 6 a.m. There was no other cars in the parking lot. And we get the hike, we do the hike, we get up to the top, beautiful, it kind of opens up into a meadow up at the top and there's a natural spring and so there's just a lot of growth and so we have our, our dog with us, Maple, our little golden doodle and uh, we decided to turn around and come back, we were kind of on a time limit and so we were on our way back and we're kind of in the middle of this thick um, overgrowth where this spring was and so there's a lot, a lot of vegetation and you can't really see that far down the trail, it's only about two feet wide at this point and you can't see that far because of how much growth there is, but what I do, what does catch my eye is something running up the trail towards us, and I'm thinking, man, here comes somebody else and their dog. I need to hurry, probably hurry up and try to grab my dog, and this thing is running fast, and by the time it rounds the turn where it's in full sight, about 20 yards away, I notice it's not a dog, it's a bear, and this bear, um, it's a black bear, but at this point in time, if you know this about bears during their different seasons, it looks exactly like a grizzly bear because it's kind of cinnamon and brown looking, and it is running up the trail towards us full speed. Now, it's one of those moments where your brain just starts computing and calculating things that you need to do faster than you can really even process or communicate. And so I do what I've, I've run into a few bears along the way, and so I knew what I knew, I, I knew, I did what I knew to do. And I just made myself really big, like, shoe bear, get out of here. And that bear was just as surprised as we were, and so it turned around, took off up the mountain, didn't give us any problems. But I wanna talk to you about my dog, because if you think this little golden doodle would be the kind of dog that would just be scared and run away and not protect you, you would be absolutely right. Because she turned around and ran the other direction faster than I could even do anything, and it took us about 15 minutes to even get her to come back in the direction that we were going. That has nothing to do with my sermon today, but I thought that was a story worth telling. <laughs> today, we're continuing in this series called The Art of Neighboring. And I would tell you that from the inception of this church until today, it has been a priority of mine to build and breed good neighboring into the life of this church. Because I really do believe this statement to be true. That if you love your neighbor, you can change the world. And not only do I believe that statement to be true, but we decided to put it on a trailer. And maybe you've seen this trailer, we've got it out front today, and I know many of you are new and you don't know why we have this trailer. And so I just wanna take a moment and talk to you about what this, the purpose behind this was. We decided a couple years back that we wanted to fill this, this trailer with contents that would allow people to reserve it and go do some service projects. So it's got a lot of stuff that you could do yard work with. It's got chainsaws and weed eaters and clippers and mowers and rakes and bags and trash cans. And the idea behind this trailer is that you would reserve it. That as you're paying attention to what's happening around you, whether it's in your own lo local neighborhood or maybe somewhere else around the city, that as you saw needs rise up, that you actually took it upon yourself to do something about it. But I would tell you that since we put this trailer together, uh, we haven't had as many people reserve it as I hoped they would. But nonetheless, it's come to some 
some good use um, over the years. Over the COVID season, we took it and there were some elderly people in our city who were getting fined or about to get fined, some even evicted because their yards were overgrown so bad. And we found out about this and so we hitched up the trailer and took it there and teams of people from Trace went and cleared out all the overgrowth so that these elderly people that couldn't help themselves, that they could have some reprieve that they knew that there was a church that was looking out for them. We've taken this trailer to houses of people in the military that just got some bad news that either their loved one wasn't coming back home or maybe they were coming back home and life was gonna be very different when they came back home. And so we take it and we go and do the landscaping just to bless these families. Again, it was our hope, the desire behind this trailer is that you would reserve it. And I'm still going, going to keep that hope alive. I hope for a day that there are so many people that are paying attention to what's happening around them, to the true heartache and hurt that's happening around them, that there's a waiting line to rent this trailer, to reserve this trailer, to go and simply be a blessing. Now, could you do that in different ways? Sure. And maybe it's just the Kentucky boy inside of me, but I don't know if there's an easier, more tangible way to show somebody love, to show somebody that you're looking out for them than, than simply going to their house and pulling some weeds. Going to their house and trimming some bushes, cutting off some dead tree branches, maybe mowing their yard. And so my hope, my hope is that in the future, as you now, maybe, maybe you're just learning that this exists for the first time, that you'll reserve this, that you'll start paying more attention to what's happening around you and that you'll, you'll act in a very tangible way on what it means to be a good neighbor. But let me come at this from a different angle. Because not only do I believe that if we love our neighbors, we can change the world, I believe that by you loving your neighbors, that it will change you. We don't get to choose our neighbors, at least most of the time. And so loving people that maybe aren't like us might be one of the best ways to grow in our unconditional love. You've heard me talk about her a few times. When Emily and I lived down in Arizona, we had this neighbor that was just a hard woman. And for those of you that grew up in the 80s and maybe remember some of those movies that came out of the 80s where there was always a neighborhood and there was a really like scary house in that one neighborhood that had the scary woman that lived in that house. Like you remember many movies that probably represented something like that. That's, that's kind of how this woman was that lived with us or by us. That might be a little bit of an overstatement, but that'll kind of help you understand you know, the kids in the neighborhood are kind of scared to go into her yard because of how angry, angry she would get. But that didn't stop us from doing our best to love her well. It didn't stop us from doing our best to be a good neighbor to her. And with time, it led to some sweet moments, some sweet interactions that we were actually able to have with her. And I'm not so sure that our devotion to her and our desire to love her well I'm not so sure that it changed her much, but it did change us because it reminded us to love hard even when it's hard. You see, I'd go as far as to say it this way, that loving your neighbors well might be one of the best ways that we can grow our unconditional love. I mean, think about it. It's easy to love people that already love you. It's easy to love your family members. It's easy to love your spouse. It's easy to love your kids at least six days out of the week. My kids are in here right now. I love them. Seven days out of the week, guys. I love you. Don't ever forget that. It's easy to love a friend if they love you back. But loving people that you didn't choose, loving people that you might not even like, <laughs> that takes some work. You see, loving your neighbor well 
that doesn't come with qualifiers. It doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter how they vote. It doesn't even matter how they treat you. And so maybe, maybe one of the reasons Jesus highlights loving our neighbors, maybe one of the reasons he puts, puts so much emphasis behind it and making it a high priority for our lives is because it's actually the best opportunity to grow in unconditional love. I wanna show you something that Jesus once said, and it's quite a bit of text that we're gonna to read together out of Luke's gospel. And I'll tell you up front that a lot of the things that Jesus says in this particular passage, I don't like. <laughs> and they're hard to hear. But nonetheless, there was a reason why he said them to us. Let me begin in Luke chapter six, beginning in verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, man, isn't that a great place to stop? Are you this morning? Are you willing to listen to what Jesus has to say? He says, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. It's hard. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Anybody else struggle with that? Like if my neighbor borrows one of my tools, I better get that tool back. You know what I'm saying? Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only, only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Says it again. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Man, I had to meditate on that one statement several times this week as I was preparing for this. How much, how much does that statement, how much is that statement being reflected in my own life? For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Hmm. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Not too long ago, we had some neighbors who lived right across the street from us. They've moved now, but they lived right across the street from us. And when they first moved in, and as we were getting to know them, uh, we came to understand really fast that they didn't want anything to do with faith. It doesn't take too long for, before people realize what I do as a pastor. And so once they kind of figured that out, they made it really clear that they didn't want anything to do with faith and might maybe just even a little bit antagonistic against people of faith. And it would have been so easy for us to kind of landed in a certain posture that would, would have said something like this, hey, maybe it's just easier that we, we do our own thing. Like you do your thing, we do our thing, we're not alike, you know, our core values probably don't align with your core values. And so it would have been very easy for us just to kind of remove ourselves from that particular situation because not only were they not like us, but they might not have even liked us. But that's not what I hear Jesus saying in that text. And so we loved them. Best we knew how, and by, by no means are we perfect neighbors. But we loved them. When they needed help, we helped them. Our daughters became friends with their daughter. And there was a moment in time where I even got to share the gospel with the husband and we were in his garage one day and I remember this really clearly. I shared the gospel with him and he looked at me and he's in special forces, you know, he's a tough guy. He said, are you trying to convert me? 
I said, man, it's not about, it's not about conversion. It's about understanding that God loves you so much that he sent his son for you and he's got a purpose for you, man. That's all I want you to know. It didn't go too far. A couple months ago, he passed away of a sudden heart attack at 47. And because of our relationship with him and them, that family, the daughter kept coming back over to our house and my daughter, who's 13, got a chance to talk to her a little bit. We invited her to our Easter service and my 13-year-old daughter got to share the gospel with her. And I remember Lily telling me that she said, this young lady who was coming over, again, our neighbor's daughter, she said, I believe it. She didn't say much more than that. But as my daughter's sharing the gospel with her, and by the way, that was one of the proudest moments of your dad's life. She said, I believe it. Not too long after that, they moved to Oregon. So can I ask you a question this morning? What would being a good neighbor do for you? What opportunities could come to fruition because of your desire to simply listen to Jesus when he said, love your neighbor? This past week, I went over to meet with an elderly gentleman who comes to Trace. His name is Ken, and Ken was experiencing some health issues, and he's 86, and I believe he's the oldest person that, call, that calls Trace home. And I wanted to go by and visit with him, and so I stopped by to visit with him. And one of the takeaways that I had from that visit was how many times he bragged on his neighbors and he said, Pastor Aaron, man, my neighbors have been so good. They've been helping me out. They've been doing things that I can't do for myself any longer. And he's just bragging on his neighbors and it's just a sweet moment. But there was one particular neighbor that he kept bragging on. A guy by the name of Perry that just happened to be sitting beside him as we're visiting together. You see, Perry happens to be one of those guys that doesn't feel, doesn't feel like neighboring should be a burden, but it's a part of our purpose that neighboring shouldn't feel like you know, a source of pain for us. Loving our neighbor shouldn't feel like a source of pain. It should actually be a part of our purpose. Now, the cool part about this particular story is a couple years ago, Perry actually baptized Ken here in this church. And you can see that picture out in our lobby. You can clap. I can, yeah. And so can I ask you again, what opportunities could come your way if you will simply love your neighbors? Now, for some of you, I know this might be a little bit harder, right? Whether you say, I'm an introvert, maybe you already don't like your neighbors, and the idea of starting this now, being an intentional neighbor now, doesn't seem appealing at all. But can I just remind you of the words of your leader and Lord when he said, guys, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You heard me preach a sermon on this a few months back. The way that we show God that we love him, per these words that Jesus said, the way that we show God that we love him is by actually following through on the second one that's like the first one, by loving our neighbor. In other words, it's almost difficult, I would probably stretch it to say impossible, to show God that we're loving him with all our heart, soul, and mind if we don't love our neighbor. In other words, we love God by loving our neighbor. 
And yes, some people may argue, and I've heard this, maybe you've heard this before, like what is the context in which Jesus is actually referring to when he says, love your neighbor? Like who is your actual neighbor? Some people have argued and made a debate that it's anyone within your proximity at any given time, right? So right now your neighbors would be the people that are in your proximity right now. And although there may be some argument for that, I don't know if that's the best starting place. Let me show you what Jay Pathak says in his book, Art of Neighboring. He says, the problem is, however, that when we aim for everything, we hit nothing. So when we, when we insist we're neighbors with everybody, often we end up being neighbors with nobody. And so regardless of how you define neighboring today, regardless of how you define neighbor today, can we all agree that loving our actual neighbors would be a great place to start? I mean, think about it. To some extent, these people live with you. They live with you. I mean, there was a time in history where we would have called it a village. There was a time in history we would have called it our tribe. And when that's how we communicated it, when that's how we defined it, there was a different level of responsibility that came with it. And yes, even though that's not necessarily the context that represents our neighborhood today, couldn't we all agree that loving our actual neighbors might be a great place to start? Loving our actual neighbors might be one of the best opportunities for us to grow in unconditional love because we didn't get to choose them. Could we all agree that loving our actual neighbors might be a lot more about purpose than it is just the place that you live? And so what I wanna do is I wanna get really practical and if this is something that you know you could get better at, if this is something that you know you need to be a little bit more intentional in, I wanna give you three really clear action steps that I think will help you on this journey if you haven't started already. And I would communicate it in these three particular action steps that you should introduce yourself. Okay, guys, we're, <laughs> I'm setting the bar so low that you can trip over it, okay? <laughs> introduce yourself, invite them to church, and be inconvenienced. Introduce yourself, invite them to church, and be inconvenienced. So let me quickly explain those things. I think the first one is incredibly obvious that you need to introduce yourself. And some of you, <laughs> you've got that one neighbor, you've had them for like five plus years. And it's like, it would be so weird for me now to go up and say, hey, this is way overdue. My name's Aaron. I'm blanking on your name. Can you tell me your name? I'm trying to get better at this. Whatever that looks like. Maybe you ask the neighbor beside them that you already know their name. What's that guy's name again really quick? And then I would encourage you to pick up one of these. And I just ordered about 300 more of these. These are called neighboring magnets. And uh, this has been one of the most useful tools for Emily and I to be good neighbors in our own, in our own neighborhood. And it's a magnet, goes right on your fridge. And in the middle, uh, it has where you live. And then you just fill in the, the names of people that live around you on this with a you know, little Expo marker or whatever and throw it on your fridge. That way, if you have name amnesia like me, uh, this thing will help you. Because I promise you, it is going to be so, you'll have so much greater of a chance entering into deeper levels of dialogue and conversation if you know that person's name and you will likely disengage from conversation if you can't remember that person's name. So I promise you, this is so much bigger and more intentional than you think of an area to start than you might think it is. And so again, when we get these and they come in, I'll, we'll put them out in the lobby where you can pick one of these up. Uh, but I'd strongly encourage you to have one of these. One of the things that Emily and I have done to take this a step further is when we have a new neighbor that moves into our neighborhood, we actually fill this in for them. And so we put 
where their house is and we put all the names of people that live around them. Then we go over to their house and introduce ourselves and say, hey, by the way, these are the people that live around you. And it's really been cool to see how that's uh, caused almost like a catalyst of conversation among our neighbors in our neighborhood. Second one is invite them to church. Now, this one might sound a little self-serving. Like, of course, you're gonna tell me, pastor, invite them to church. There's a lot more intentionality behind this particular action step than you may think. By inviting them to church on, in the very beginning of getting to know them, a couple things are gonna happen. If you invite them to church, they immediately know that faith is important to you. And they'll probably say no. I hope they say yes, but they'll probably say no. And what they expect, and I've done this long enough to know that this is often the case, when they say no to you, what they are expecting is for you to dismiss them. And so when you go ahead and get that out of the way and say, hey, if you're ever looking for a good church, we'd love to invite you to our church, maybe they say yes. But then they're gonna watch you after they potentially say no. Then they're gonna watch you continue to be an intentional neighbor. Then they're gonna watch you continually be available for them and to love them and to strike up conversation with them. And then what happens, because you don't ever know what God's doing behind the scenes, maybe one day God's stirring something up in them and they remembered that you invited them to church and now that invitation is already open. And so they come back and say, man, I'm going through a lot right now in my life. Is that invitation still open? I'd love to come to church with you. And so I would encourage you to get it out of the way and just go ahead and invite them from the very beginning, invite them to come to church with you. Last one, be inconvenienced. Be inconvenienced. This is probably where the majority of us struggle the most. A couple years ago, we get a phone call from one of our neighbors that their son ran away. And so it's late at night and we got up and we made sure our kids were okay and then we just took off looking for this kid who had run away. And after a couple hours, we were able to find him. We were willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of our neighbors. And by them seeing that, we've been invited into a lot of very interesting conversations over the years. Be inconvenienced. Be inconvenienced for the sake of your neighbors. Let me remind you of something that Paul said in Galatians 6. He said, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important you got to love the candor of the Apostle Paul, right? Let me show you what Jay Pathak said again in his book, Art of Neighboring. Neighboring is not always about being happy and comfortable. It's about allowing God to polish off the rough edges. Maturity happens when you put yourself in the place that God wants you. Don't run because there's adversity. Maybe God wants to use the adversity to make you more like Jesus. So those are like really brilliant things that I just communicated to you from other people I'll tell you what I would say and just make it as simple as possible. Ready? If you don't start somewhere, you won't get anywhere. That's free. Take that home. If you don't start somewhere, you won't get anywhere. Obviously, that can fit in a lot of different areas of our lives. One of the other ways I've said this before is the, that all of us have the best of intentions, right? But the best of intentions will get you at this exact same place at this exact same time next year being the exact same person. Change will only happen with intentional choices. Maybe you need to write that down today. Change only happens with intentional choices. So introduce yourself. Invite them to church. Be inconvenienced on their behalf. Let me close with this. Several years ago, Kobe Bryant was approached by a sports reporter who asked him, said, hey, Kobe, is there any way that I could come in and watch you go through a workout? And he said, sure, make sure you're here at the gym, 4 a.m. 
And so the sports reporter gets up that next morning, comes and is at the gym right at 4 a.m. And Kobe had already been there and he'd already been going through his warm-ups and already had broken a sweat. So the sports reporter stays, watches him go through his workout. And then after he's done, he approaches Kobe Bryant and he says, Kobe, I gotta be honest with you. How did you become one of the greatest players of our time with such a simple workout? And Kobe said this, because I have tenaciously practiced the basics more than anyone else. Church family, it doesn't get more basic. The application of the Christian faith doesn't get more basic than loving our neighbors. And so maybe before you join another Bible study, maybe before you decide to go deeper into spiritual gifts, maybe before you listen to that other Christian podcast or another sermon online, why don't you try just loving your neighbors better? Will it get messy at times? (laughs) Yes, it will. But maturity happens when we put ourselves in the place that God wants us. And let me say it again, maybe the neighborhood that you live in right now isn't so much about the place that you live than it is the purpose that God has for you right there, right now. Will you have to set up some boundaries at times with certain neighbors? Yeah, probably. But if you don't start somewhere, you won't get anywhere. Neighboring is not always about being happy and comfortable. It's about allowing God to shape you to look more like Jesus. And so maybe for some of you to get this going again, maybe you're gonna have to offer an apology. Maybe you might have to set up some boundaries like I already mentioned. And maybe at times you're gonna wonder, man, is this all this neighboring stuff, is it really as important as Jesus says it is? To which I'll remind you one more time, one of the best ways that you can show your heavenly father that you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind is to love your neighbor. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for this morning. Uh, God, I'm so thankful uh, for this church family. So thankful the fact that so many of them are already investing intentionally in their neighbors and being a good neighbor and loving their neighbors. But for those that aren't, God, I pray that today would be a catalyst for that. Father, I pray that today would remind them that this is a very clear directive that you've given us and really one of the highest priorities that you've given us as followers of Jesus. And so God, I think I could argue that if we're a Christ follower, we don't get the option of ignoring our neighbors. And so God, I pray that whether it's action steps that I put forward or action steps that your Holy Spirit puts forward in the minds of anyone in this room, that you would would remind them that real change doesn't happen until intentional choices are made. And so God, would you help us all to figure out what is that intentional choice that we need to make? We love you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.